Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams continues a series entitled Lies of Religion. In this message, Brandon looks at the lie that we only need to clean up the outside. He explains that the reason we are dirty on the outside is because we are first dirty on the inside. God's desire is to give us a clean heart and change us from the inside out. What's up, church? Everybody good today? Woohoo! Good day to be in church. Good day to be alive. Good, good day to serve a God who's alive. Real quick before we jump into the message, um, we're going to be starting out in Matthew chapter 23 today. So you can go ahead and turn there. We'll be getting there in just a second. First, I want to do two things real quick. One is I want to say a big thank you to all the people who served as connectors the last two weeks. Man, you guys have done a phenomenal job out of everything that, that I've seen and, and just everything about this move. I have been blown away by all the blue and orange shirts that have been working, really working their tails off to, to be able to pull this stuff together. So just want to say thank you. I want to give them a hand this morning and just say we, we appreciate you so much and are so, so thankful for what you're doing to be used by God, to reach people and connect them to God. And uh, so just thank you for that. The other thing that I want to do is, uh, you know, unless you were in a, a hole somewhere all week, you heard about the tornadoes and everything that went on. We found out about a group who's taking a truck to, to um, some of these places that are in need. And I wanted to read off a list of things that they're going to be um, carrying. And uh, that way, if you can drop some of this, listen, if you'll drop it by the church, the old church building at 2 Edmore Court, um, this week, we'll make sure it gets on the truck, okay? So just bring it by sometime this week. I just want to read these to you. If you can bring some of this stuff, it'd be great. We'll make sure it gets there. Um, sunscreen, chapstick, batteries, cell phone chargers, diapers, wipes, tarps, bottles of water, flashlights, headlamps, soap, and pretty much anything else you can think of. Um, non-perishable foods, especially. Anything like that that you can get your hands on that you want to bring by the church. I'll read it one more time. Non-perishable foods. Sunscreen, chapstick, batteries, cell phone chargers, diapers, wipes, tarps, bottles of water, flashlights, headlamps, soap. Anything like that that you can, you can get your hands on to bring by the church, we'll make sure they get it and uh, that, it, that it'll be um, used to help those folks recover um, through the devastation that the tornadoes left. So, everybody ready to get in the Word today? It's going to be good. We're going to continue the series, Lies of Religion, today and, and looking at the next lie, which is... It's all about the outside, right? Anybody ever notice that? Church, man, we come to church, we look good, don't we? It's just behind closed doors, man. We're falling apart, right? And so we're going to look at that today, just look at this live, that church is all about us looking good on the outside. Um, We're going to read Matthew 23, verses 25 and 26, and then I want to pray, and then we're going to jump in here and get going. Verse 25. This is Jesus speaking to the scribes and Pharisees. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but in the inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and the outside also may be clean. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful for this morning. God, I pray right now that your spirit would rule and reign, that today, God, you would use your word in an incredible way to change our hearts, to change us at the very core of who we are. God, that, that, that today people would recognize you as their Savior, as their Lord, and that, God, today you would be the God of our lives. We love you, Father, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we read these verses, and here's the thing that we miss a lot of times, is that Jesus right here in these verses, he's talking to religious people, right? The the Pharisees, in fact, the Pharisees, I guess the closest thing would be like the preachers of today. So isn't it kind of cool like Jesus was getting on to the preachers? It's kind of cool, right? Some of you are like, yeah, get them, get them, you know? And and here's the thing, guys, He he was talking to the religious people. He was talking to them, and sometimes we'll read this and we'll read it and see that it says that, 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 you know, we're dirty on the inside. We need to not worry about cleaning up the outside before we clean up the inside. If we'll clean up the inside, we'll take care of the outside. And it's real easy to look at people and go, yeah, like they got some stuff they need to clean up. Like we know that, right? And, and we see that in, in them and we know on the inside, maybe today we know on the inside, man, there is some junk in our lives that, it, I mean, it's just garbage. 
And we know it's on the inside. And, and we think about those things a lot, man. I mean, come on, all those, those obvious sins, right? And those things that are on the inside that make us dirty, that, 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 that show themselves on the outside. The problem is a lot of times what we don't realize is that God hates religion as much as he does any other sin. And churches are full of people who think just because I've gone to church, just because I've cleaned up those outward sins, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm saved. Why? Because I go to church. You don't get saved by going to church, right? You get saved by putting your faith in Christ, by putting your faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus. You can have every certificate for the past 30 years for perfect Sunday school and still go to hell. Like attending Sunday school does not get you into heaven. Confessing that Jesus is Lord and believing that Christ raised him from, or that God raised him from the dead, that's what gets us to heaven. Nothing that we do on the outside is able to clean us up and get us to that place. Here's something I want to do real quick, just so that we're all on the same page, okay? There's a lot of people that, you know, scattered around in here. This is what I want you to do. If you could say this, some, see, some of us have a tendency to lean one way. Some of us have a tendency to lean the other way. Some of us in here today, you just know, like, man, like on the inside, I'm dirty. The things I look at, the things I think about, I'm dirty, right? But then some of you probably fall into this other category over here where you would say, you know what? I'm kind of just religious. I'm kind of just religious. I, I, I really, I, I go to church and I do all these things, but I know really it's all an outward thing. And see, here's the deal. We all have a tendency to fall one place or another. In fact, some of us probably move across that spectrum. One month we're, we're religious and the next month we're just a good old sinner. You know what I'm saying? And, and here's the deal. But, but can I ask you this? And can we be honest this morning so that, so that we can all go ahead and take a deep breath and exhale and then get into what God wants us to hear this morning? If, if you would say you fall into one of those categories today, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. You fall into one. Either a trap of religion or just doggone raunchy right? Yeah. Every hand in the room should have gone up. See, I like to take this at the beginning and just put us all in one nice big pot, you know, because the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know what? If all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, you know what that means? All of us need a savior. All of us need a savior. And so we're going to begin looking at that. I want to talk to you about a couple of observations, three actually, that I've made about the church and how we clean up the outside rather than the inside. The first is this, that we need to realize that the outside of the cup is dirty because the inside of the cup's dirty, right? It, it's not vice versa. The inside's not dirty because the outside's dirty. The, the outside's dirty because the inside's dirty. And we're, we're all dirty on the inside. We are all jacked up, okay? There's not one person in here that on the inside, like if we were to open you up, it'd be like, oh. It, not one person in here. Not one. And we need to realize that the outside is dirty because the inside is dirty. How many of you have ever been enjoying a meal at maybe one of your favorite restaurants and, and the plate is perfectly clean and you're eating your food and all of a sudden you take a bite and you feel something in your mouth? And you're like, oh, that's not good. I don't think that's cheese. And you reach up there and you begin to pull a hair out of your mouth. Some of you just threw up in your mouth, didn't you? That is gross. Now, now see, here's the deal. Cause some of you guys have done this. You just been like, yeah, whatever I'm paying for it. I'm eating it. And you just ate it. But most people do this. They're like, Oh my gosh, I can't even eat my food. And then you call the waiter over and you're like, I'm gonna set my Christianity to the side right now and cuss them out. Right. And, and the deal is, it didn't matter how clean the plate is, especially if you're eating something like Taco Bell, you find a hair in that, you're done because you're not even sure what you're eating in the first place. <laughs> like you go to, you go to talk, you don't even know. It's just like, I, I don't know. It's good. I eat it, but, but, but you find you're not eating anymore. And so you, you don't look at it and go, man, you know what? I wouldn't eat this, but my plate's so clean. Like I'm just going to eat it anyway. Nobody does that. Wow, because it's nasty. The inside's nasty. And then you don't care about the outside. See, the problem with us is we care so much about the outside, we forget about what's on the inside. And God's just the opposite. God doesn't look at the outward appearance of a man. He looks at the heart. And so that's what we need to do too, is we need to begin to look at the heart 
It's, it's a heart matter. It's not, it's not about how well we can clean up and dress up and, and all of that. It is a heart matter. That's what really matters. How many of y'all have ever done, you know, there's some of y'all, you got to be honest, especially you guys. How many of y'all have ever done this? You, you didn't really want to take a bath, so you just put on deodorant. Come on. Y'all know, most of y'all go to class like that every day. You get up and you're like, oh, I'm running late, and you just put some deodorant on. You know the only person that makes feel any better? You. Because to everybody else, you smell like cabbage and aqua reef. That's like, that's what you smell like. That's, that's basically it. And you know what? When we try to mask our sin, when we try to just take and cover up the things, you know what? We still stink. We still stink. It, it's, it's a terrible mask. It's a terrible way to try to hide what's really going on. It doesn't work. In fact, you know, you're like, man, that is just such a strange mix of B.O. and Old Spice. I mean, I don't, what is that? And you know, it's just a horrible mask. It doesn't work. And neither does it work when we try to cover up our sin by cleaning up the outside. Until the God of the universe does something on the inside of us, the outside will never become clean. Until God gets a hold of our heart and he begins to reshape it and remold it and change it, it doesn't matter what we do on the outside. We're still not clean. We can clean it up and make it look good. We can can paint it. We can put makeup on it. But it's still not clean. We're still dirty. Second thing that I've observed about the outside, this really comes through just some years in ministry, is that the inside is always dirtier than the outside. Y'all ever notice that? Like if you're holding bitterness and unforgiveness about somebody or something they did to you, you've already thought about retaliation, haven't you? And you probably laid in bed at night thinking, how could I get them back? What could I do to them to get them out? Or here's the other thing. If you're flirting with the secretary at work, be it a guy or a girl, because, you know, it's not just girls now. Guys, it's, it's a whole equal gender thing now, right? So if you're flirting or, or just say we're flirting with somebody outside of marriage and we're taking it to this level where we feel okay about it, but you know what? I know it's really inappropriate. You know what the deal is? You've already gone further than that in your mind, haven't you? And your mind on the inside, you've already gone further than that. How about this? Think about this. When you were a teenager, some of you are teenagers, college students, think about this. If you've gone to second base with your girlfriend, you've already hit a walk-off home run in your mind, haven't you? Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Because the inside's always dirtier than the outside. Man, when we... we uh, We've had our first child, Susan and I, we had Dake. And the first thing I had to learn how to do was make bottles. And I didn't know there were so many doggone pieces to a bottle, right? But you got to mix it and get the water right and all this stuff. And, and I made them. And then the next thing I had to learn how to do was clean them, right? And so here's the deal. Like cleaning a bottle, no big deal. But you let a bottle sit around for about a day in a hot car, holy cow. Like you get the outside and it's all sticky. And I don't know about y'all, but I hate sticky stuff. And so you're getting it. It's all sticky and nasty. But then you open it. You're like, you're like, what the, he drinks this. It's all curdled. Yeah. You pour it. It's coming. It's like, it stinks. You're like, I don't know if I can get this clean enough because the inside's dirtier than the outside. It's the same way with us. We're always dirtier on the inside and we are on the outside man it's why you can be walking around with people one day and and everything's fine and they're great and then the next thing you know they're like a puddle on the sidewalk falling apart and you're like what what happened like we were just having a conversation about baseball and the next thing you know they're like i just just don't know what you're just like where did that come from because there's things going on on the inside of us right now, on the inside of people right now. There, there, there's things inside of us right now that we are masking on the outside. And the problem is, it's still dirty. And the only way for that to become clean and for you to become whole and for you to no longer walk around wounded is for Jesus to come in and touch us on the inside. Because just cleaning up the outside never works for us. I remember when I... Um, I first got saved. Man, it was easy for me. 
to clean up the outside. I say it was. Like for six months, I was like, I, I would try not to drink. And I'd be like, oh, gosh. You know, I'd go, to, go somewhere and I'd be like, okay, give me, give me, let me have a, a bit of tea. You know, I mean, it was just like, it was, it was hard, right? I remember I had a buddy. We were riding in a golf cart one time, and I was trying to quit drinking because like, for me it was an issue. And, and I was trying to quit drinking, and, and we're riding in a golf cart. And now, and then he, he, he pops a beer while he's driving, and he turns over and looks at me and blows the foam off of the can of beer in my face. And he's like, sure you don't want one? <laughs> that guy's on the board of directors, by the way. So um, he's had a life-changing experience with Christ, too. But, but seriously, man, it was hard. But, but you know what? I cleaned up all that outside stuff. You know, I quit drinking. I quit chewing. I quit smoking. I quit, you know, gambling. Then I quit golf because it wasn't any fun anymore. And then, <laughs> and, and then I was like, what's the point? And going out there and getting frustrated, you know? And so I quit. And, and then, you know, but, but when I got to a place where I kind of cleaned up the outside, you know what really stunk? is when I started having to try to work on things on the inside, like pride, right? Pride, arrogance, insecurity, anxiety, fear, all of those things that are on the inside that we can mask to a point and nobody else sees. How about this, guys? How about whatever it is on the inside of us that makes us gossip? Seriously, why do we do that? What's on the inside of us that makes us feel better by talking about somebody else? Are we, that, are we really that shallow? For real? Because here's the deal, and I'm just going to be straight up honest. Let me get up on my soapbox just a little bit for just a second. Here's the deal. There are two options when it comes to gossip in this church, okay? Two. One, shut up. That's option one. Two, Get out. That's option two. This will be a place where folks can trust one another. It will be a place where we can come in and let our guard down. And if you don't want to get on board with that, see you bye. And I mean that just like I said it. Amen? Because it will be a place where people can come in who are wounded, who are hurt, who need to be touched by God, who have been disillusioned, and who need to come in and experience the love and grace of God, not somebody sticking knives in their back. Right? All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox now. But listen, it's easy to clean up those, those, inside, those outside things, but we get into the, 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 the outside, man, or the, the inside... It stinks. It's hard, man. It's, it, it's brutal. You know why? Because you're, you, you keep them right here. We don't share them. We don't talk about them. And so it's just this inside thing that we deal with. And it eats us up and it eats us alive. And it's killing us on the inside so that the life that's supposed to be on the outside doesn't exist. And yet Jesus said, I came to free you from all that. I came so that you could have life. I came so that you could show you my glory, the glory of the Father to the world. But when we're having the life of, of God choked out of us because we're not dealing with the things on the inside and we're just playing a religious game on the outside, it just kills the life of God in us. So here's the thing, guys. The only one who is qualified to operate in the area of our heart, the core of our being, is God. Is Jesus but we love to try to operate there ourselves. Let me ask you this. How many of you, if you had something stuck in your eye, like, a, like a, had a little piece of dust in your eye, you let me help you get it out? Would you let me, man? Would you trust me to do that? Most of you. I mean, I'm not going to be like, hey, I'm not going to poke you in the eye. Right? Right? Or maybe if you had a splinter in your finger, you might even let me help you get that out with some tweezers. Right? Yeah? What if you had a blocked artery? You're probably not calling me and going, hey, Brandon, man, I got this blocked artery. I was wondering, could you come over on Saturday about 9 o'clock and fix this thing? If I wrote a book on surgery, would you read it? No. Why? Because I don't know anything about surgery. We don't know anything about fixing us either. God does. And until we surrender our lives to him, 
we can never be healed. We can never be made whole. We can never have the inside repaired and fixed so that the outside begins to mirror the image of Jesus. See, we love religious acts. You know why? It gives us the ability to manipulate the outside so that what's going on the inside, nobody sees. We love religion because it gives us this sense of control. Right? It gives us this sense of control. Like, if I can just make it to church for, for the rest of this month, man, maybe whatever I did last month, he'll forget about. If I can just do enough, if I, if I can show up and be on enough committees, if I, can, if I can do this, if I can do that, then maybe I'll be in good standing with God. The problem is none of that stuff can bring peace between you and God. The only thing that brings peace between you and God is the cross because it was on the cross that all of God's wrath that should have been reserved for you and I was poured out on his son so that we wouldn't have to experience it. That's the reason. That's the reason we have peace with God. But we love to manipulate things. We love to try to just manipulate religious acts so that we begin to try to feel better about ourselves, and and which never works, does it? You feel good about yourself until you screw up again. And then you fall right back into that guilt and that condemnation. You fall right back into it. And the inside never changes because all we're dealing with is the outside things. Jesus was very clear, listen, Bad things come, evil comes from the evil that's stored up inside of us. Good things come, the good fruit comes because of the good that's stored up inside of us. Those are the words of Christ. Those are the things that he promises us. Here's the thing that I want us to do real quick. We're going to go to John chapter 5 right now because I want to talk to you a little bit about how we change at the core. I mean, it's great to say, you know, Jesus does this and he does, but, but what keeps it from happening, right? I mean, if that's the truth, then, then why, why aren't we all just changed? Why don't we all just walk around just in the perfected glory of God? If that's the case, if all it takes is me saying, okay, I believe in Jesus. And then, and then he comes into my heart and he changes. Why is it not? I want us to look at that a little bit. Out of John chapter 5 today, we're going to look at the way that we change our core. I want to sum it up because you don't have to go buy a 10-step book. You don't have to go buy a 7-step book. You don't have to go buy a book other than this Bible. And because I want to sum it up for you, exactly how we begin to be like Christ. This is the sum, summation of all of it to me. That you begin to pursue the one who has been pursuing you. You actually begin to pursue the one who has been pursuing you. The only problem with Christianity is nobody's tried it. We haven't done it. God has given us this amazing access to to God. He says, come boldly before my throne. And we don't do it. I would dare say that most of us in this room today, and even myself at times, are guilty of not pursuing the one who pursued us to the point of death on a cross. We really don't pursue it. We really don't get after it. We really don't believe it. I want to set this scripture up for you. We're about to read about Jesus healing a a, a lame man, a a man who, who had been lame for 38 years. Listen. This is their belief. They were, he was laying by a pool right outside of Jerusalem. And, and the belief, the superstition of that day for the Jews was this. The superstition was when the water bubbled, that the first person to get into the water would be healed. Whatever was wrong with you. If you just got into the water, when the water bubbled, you would be healed. Now we know this was not a group of southern Israelites. And the way we know that is that if that were the case, the bubbling water would have had a total different meaning. They'd have been like, dang, Bubba did that again, right? And they'd be like, bubbles in the water, bat, golly, y'all wake up. <laughs> Seriously, it, it would have been told, okay. But, but the deal was they thought if they, if we can get into the water, if we can get into the water when it bubbles, then the first person into the water, they'll be healed. They'll, they'll be made whole. They'll, they're, 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 if it's their legs, if it was leprosy, whatever it was, they can get into the water. They'll be healed. And so that's the mindset and the framework that we're about to read John chapter 5 with. John chapter 5, 1 through 9. We're going to read first six verses to start with. It says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews. 
And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool. In Aramaic called Bethesda. Which has, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm going there, Another steps down before me. Look at verse 2. It says the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. You know what I believe? I believe today we have a lot of blind, lame, and paralyzed people. A lot of blind, lame, and paralyzed people in the church. I believe many of us are blinded to who Christ is. I believe many of us are blinded to the promises of God that says we can have life in him. That says that we can have eternal life in him. That once we accept him, we can cross over into eternity. Not just a promise of heaven, but a promise of life now. In the circumstances of life, that we can have love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All those things that the Bible promises us. That no matter what tomorrow brings, that we can have peace. But I believe many of us are walking blindly to who Christ is and the power that is in him. I believe there are a lot of people who are lame. There are a lot of wounded people. There are a lot of people walking around with damaged hearts. There are a lot of people walking around who've been carrying things for years and years and years who are wounded. And Christ Jesus would love to be able to come in and heal and restore. I'm not talking about you walking up here one time hitting your knees. I'm talking about a God who is willing to walk through a journey with you, walk with you, to take your hand, to take you by the arm, to pick you up when necessary and carry you to a place of hope wholeness and completeness in him. I don't believe that Jesus wants his children walking around with wounded spirits and wounded hearts. I believe he died to give us life. He died to begin to heal what's wrong on the inside. We have people in here today who are paralyzed. How are we paralyzed? We're paralyzed by fear. Come on. We, we could probably, probably take half of you if we did a poll and, and half of you have, have a huge struggle with fear and anxiety. Myself, I have a hard time with anxiety at times. At times, man, anxiety eats me up. It just does. It does. And we become paralyzed by fear. We become paralyzed by guilt. We become paralyzed by shame. We become paralyzed by the past. We become paralyzed by all of these things that Jesus died to set us free from. You know the thing I realize about fear? It is totally irrational. You know the thing about anxiety? It is totally irrational. When you come to faith in Christ, fear is totally irrational. If you have eternal life, what are we worried about? If we have life in Christ, what are we worried about? But we allow ourselves to be paralyzed. And God wants to come in and begin to deal with those issues on the inside. You can clean it up and act brave. But until God comes in and does a work inside of us, it will never change. Until we hear the promises of God, not from my lips, but in your heart from God's lips, it will never change. But once God speaks that to your heart, once God speaks it and it comes from his mouth and you hear it in your heart, things will begin to change. Does it all become peaches and cream? No. No. Are there still going to be difficult and challenging days? Yes. But you know what? We're able to hit our knees and we're able to come to the one who again will carry us through whatever means necessary. That's the God that we serve. It goes on down and and it it gets to this place where it says, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? Now that seems like a crazy question, does it not? And this guy's been laying there for 38 years. He's been laying there for 38 years and he comes to him and he says, do you really want to get well? That seems like a no brainer. It seems like he would just be like, yeah, but you know what I find so many times? We don't really want to get better. We don't really want to get better. We, we, we just settle for, for mediocrity. We settle for 
Status quo. We settle for, well, everybody else lives like this. Why can't I? The reason you can't, the reason you shouldn't is because you serve an extraordinary God. You serve a God who wants to make you whole and make you well. And that when he does, from the inside out, he's going to change your life so that people look at you and praise him. That's pretty awesome. The thing about the fact that God wants to do something so amazing on the inside of us that people look at us and praise him. That seems almost impossible when we think about it, but you know, all things are possible with God. And through Christ, you and I can begin to display the power and the glory of God. I want to ask you this question today. Are you putting yourself in a position to be healed? Are you putting yourself in a position where God can, can clean up the outside or the inside so the outside becomes clean? Hey, are you, we're, listen, are, are we really putting ourselves in places that we can succeed? I mean, this guy was by the pool, right? I mean, he was in a place where there was a possibility of healing. But, but listen, are we in a place where we can succeed? Where are the boundaries in your life? Where, where, what boundaries have you set up so that I don't get to the edge and fall in? Like if I'm, if I'm on, a, on a mountain, I'm not one of these people that walks up and hangs my feet off the edge, right? I don't do that. Heights freak me out. Like I, I used to hate roofing when I was in the roofing business. I hated it because I hated heights. I get up there and freeze up. But so many times in life, this is what we do. We walk up and we place our toes right off of the edge. Why don't we set some boundaries a little bit further back? Why don't we set some guidelines a little bit further back so that we can have the possibility of succeeding? Let me ask you this. Is there a relationship in your life you need to terminate? And we think about that for, for, God, for college girls and guys, and we're like, yeah, that's a good message for them. Get out of that bad relationship. But we're in them too. Now, I believe this. You, if we don't have a friend who, who, who's lost, then, then we're in bad shape. But where we've got to draw the line on that is when that friend leads us away from Christ. When that person begins to draw us away, and I guarantee you, there are multiple, multiple, multiple people in here today who the one thing that is keeping you from living for Christ is a relationship. You know, one thing I've noticed is that negativity is contagious. You ever notice that? The other thing I've noticed is courage is contagious. Which kind of people you want to hang around? Because you know, you can be like in a good mood. You can be in a good mood and you're like, woo, man, today's going to be an awesome day. And you walk in and everybody in the office is like, man, it's Monday. And man, dog got run over Saturday. And, you know, and, and they just start that stuff. And the next thing you know, you're like, man, it's Monday. And I'm just, dog's probably going to get run over on Saturday. And, and, and all of a sudden you get sucked into this downward spiral. And I guarantee you, most of you probably thought of somebody when you thought of that. Right? When, when I said that, you thought about it and you're like, yeah, that's exactly how Joe will Bob, he's like, I walk in, I can be in a good. And negativity just draws us in. It just sucks us in. People's attitudes, they suck us in. They draw us in. And, and, and the next thing we know, man, we're, we're acting just like them. Listen, we, we can be in the world and not be of it. We can, we can live a life that that is different from the world. You know the Christian life should be an alternative to, to the world. It shouldn't mirror it. It should be. And when God begins to deal with us on the inside and clean us up from the inside out, we'll begin to show the world that there is an alternative. We'll begin to show the world that there is an alternative. Listen to this, verse 7. Verse 6, he says, Listen, dude, do you really want to get well? Do you really? And then it goes on and he says in verse 7, The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And listen, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. When I read this the other day, I was like, gosh, that sounds so much like the church. This guy's saying, I want to be well. And then what's he start doing? Making excuses. 
making excuses. And at first I was like, oh, well, poor guy, he can't get to the water. But then it says right there, while I'm moving, somebody jumps in front of me. My first thought was this, get closer to the flipping pool. I'm like set on the edge of that thing. Get right up. I mean, I'd like have my foot right there ready to go. I'd be like this. So when, the, when the water stirred, i just go and just fall in. That'd be all it took. It's just to, just, to, just to get there. And the thing that I see in church is so many times we make excuses. We make excuses. There, there's so many times that, that, that we make excuses for our behavior when the reality of it is we just don't really want to get well. Listen to this. The first one is this. This is just the way I am. Y'all ever heard that? Well, this is just the way I am. If you don't like it, that's too bad. Well, if that's just the way you are, the way you are really stinks. And you need to change. Right? Well, this is just the way I am. Well, no wonder nobody hangs around you. It's like swimming in a cesspool. That is lame. This is just the way I am. And you know one thing I'm tired of? I am tired of Christians giving the devil so much credit. It's just the way I am. Really. So the work of Satan in the garden was greater than the work of Christ on the cross. I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, I can't do anything about this. You can't. God can. Well, I'm just going to be like this forever. With that attitude, yes. Yes. But you serve a God who has overcome everything. You serve a God who, who has given us victory and whose desire is to take us from glory to glory, meaning every day of your life you wake up and it begins to be another day that you begin to become more like God, that you begin to become cleaner on the end, that God is just purifying you from the inside out and you begin to mirror Him. Don't tell me. Don't tell me it's just the way I am, that you're already defeated. Don't make that excuse. I said it the other night to Susan. I was like, whoa, 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 what did I just say? She said something, I was like, well, that's just kind of the way I am. I was like, whoa, and the way I am sucks. I need to do something about that. And I had to go back and look at myself and realize I serve a God who's big enough to change anything in my life. He's big enough. Listen, if he's gotten me this far, if you knew me 11, 12 years ago, the fact that I'm even standing up here right now, it's a miracle of God. It is a miracle of God. The fact that some of you are sitting here today, it's a miracle of God. I know y'all. It's a miracle of God. But man, listen, don't fall into Satan's trap that this is just the way I am. You serve a God who's bigger than that. The next one is this. I love this one. I'd do anything if I could. You ever heard somebody say that? Like, I'd do anything if I could be the next American Idol. You ever heard somebody say that? Or I'd do anything if I could. I used to hear this all the time when I was coaching a baseball camp at Georgia Southern. We'd have kids come through every summer. And they'd be like, man, I'd do anything to play baseball at Georgia Southern. They're like, all right, dude, get up at 7 o'clock in the morning before school. Go hit in the cage every day. Go out after school. Throw the ball. Take ground balls. You know, work your tail off. And then maybe one day you can play. I don't want to do that. Then shut up. If you're not willing to do what it takes, then, then oh, seriously. And you hear people all the time, well, I'd give anything if I could. But you know what we don't ever do? We never hit our knees. We never actually open up the Word of God and spend time with a living God. We never actually pray to Him. We never actually surrender anything. Why? Because we have a crutch of religion that tells us if we'll just keep doing the, the, the right thing as far as cleaning up the outside, the inside will eventually take care of itself. And that is a lie. Until we begin to let God deal with the inside, the outside is never going to change. Trust me, I have an azalea bush at my house I have been trying to kill for 10 years, and it keeps coming back because I never have gotten the root out. It's there right now. If you look at my house to the right, it is still there. 
until God deals with the root issue in our heart, it never gets better. Listen to this one. If it weren't for, if it weren't for so-and-so, if it weren't for this, if it weren't for that, then, I, then, then I'd be all right. How many of us are blaming other people for things we have control over? How many of us are blaming other people for things that we have control over in the sense that we can go to God? We can press into Jesus. We can allow God to begin to come in and deal with us. I, let, let, me, let, me, let me answer that. Probably everybody in here in some way is blaming somebody else for something that's going on in our lives. You know what? We can always press more into God. We, we, we've got, you know, right now, you and I are as close to God as we want to be. Have you ever thought about that? That because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, you and I are as close to God as we want to be. He's given us free access. It's not like God's playing duck, duck, goose, running around us, trying not, you know, trying not to let us catch him. He came to us. We can get as close to God as we want to. The problem is we don't. And you know, the problem is when we don't press into him, listen, nothing happens. It doesn't change us. We sit back and you know, one of the things we love to say is let go and let God. Really? Really? Let go and let God. You know what we use that for? Be lazy. So we just sit back and go, okay, God, do it to me. Really? Do it to me. Yeah, let go. Let go. But then you know what? Do what God tells you to. Surrender your life to him. See, there's that little thing in Romans that says, listen, unless we confess him as Lord, which Lord means surrender. It means lordship. It means that he directs our life from now on. Unless we're willing to do that, we aren't saved. We don't know him. We're not in him. And so there comes a point where we have to recognize, am I really being guided by God? Is my mind being consumed by him or is it still consumed by the things of this world? Who is my master? Is it this world or is it Jesus? Which one is it? You know, it is really hard to look at pornography on the internet and sing lead me to the cross at the same time. For real. Well, it don't work. Lead me to the cross. I mean, you can't do that. You can't worship God and do that at the same time. Not unless we do it in a religious mindset where it's coming out of our mouth, but our hearts are nowhere near God. You know, we can't have sex outside of marriage when we're thanking God for making us pure. You know that? It is quiet in here today. You know what? We can't have a crappy attitude with everybody around us, when we're actually living out Philippians 2, 1 through 8, when Paul says, consider everybody else better than yourself and esteem them higher than yourself. And just like Jesus, you know what? Empty yourself of all rights and all privileges so that you can can honor others greater than yourselves. Now, I just summed up about eight verses in, in, in three sentences. But listen to me. Jesus was God. He had the full rights to claim deity. He had the full rights to say, serve me. And you know what he did? He emptied everything and he said, I'm going to serve other people. That's being Christ-like. That's living like Christ. You know, it's real hard to sell ourselves to materialism and to, to, to our job. It's real hard to do that when we're thanking God for how rich we are in him. When our mind is set on him. And see, sometimes, sometimes people will kick back and they'll say, but, but I can't do that, really. Well, why does the Bible tell us to take every thought captive and bring it into obedience to Christ? The Bible wouldn't tell us to do something we can't do. Guys, we can have victory. And listen to me, we can be a people that, that on the inside, God does such a work that it begins to show on the outside that the inside of the cup becomes clean and then the outside can become clean also. But we've got it backwards. We've got to change it up. We've got to do something different. How about, how about this excuse? If only, if only this would happen. If only that would happen. And you know what's funny is when that if only happens, nothing changes, does it? 
Nothing changes. This guy had been there for 38 years. 38 years he's been laying there. He's been laying there 38 years. And Jesus walks up and he's like, dude, do you even want to get well? Seriously, do you want to get well? And the guy's like, if only, man, if only I had somebody to pick me up and put me in the water. If it weren't for all these other people jumping in front of me, if only. You know, guys, here's the deal. Jesus looks at him and he says, pick up your mat and walk. And the guy gets up and he starts walking. You know what I believe Jesus did in that moment? He said, shut up. Here's the deal, bro. I'm bigger than your superstition about the water. I'm the healer. I made the water. I made that water. See that water right there? I made it. I know that water. I'm bigger than the water. I'm bigger than the superstition. And I'm bigger than your excuses. Now, if you want to be well, get up and take your mat. And it says he jumps up and he begins to walk. And this is the thing I know about God. Is at the point when, when we'll come and we'll say, okay, I'm done with the excuses. At the point that we'll come and we'll say, okay, I'm done playing this game where I try to act like the outside's okay when I know the inside is falling apart, man, just jacked up. When we come to him and say, I'm done, then God can begin to do a work in our lives, but not until that point. Not until that point. And I'm telling you guys, the, the spirit of religion that is over our, our area, over the South, it, it is one of the most dangerous things. Because it gives us an illusion of godliness. And yet there's no power. It it, it looks like we're doing the the godly thing. But then there's no power. Because power is in Jesus. It's not in religious superstition. It comes when we hit our knees and we say, God, I'm done with me. And you know what? We don't pick it up when we walk back out of here. But we live a life. You know, we sing that song, Lead Me to the Cross. I love it. Anybody love that song? I love that song. That's such a good song. But you know what? We sing it and we're like, leave me to the cross. I mean, I was down here. I, I was actually singing. I had my hand in the air like this. I was singing. I was leaving. My mother-in-law walked in and I put my hand down right when she walked in. I bumped her upside the head. You don't get to do that every day. It was kind of fun. I mean, you get to hit your mother-in-law. But anyway, she walked by. I actually bumped her. But, but you know what? We sing that song like, leave me to the cross. You know what? The cross was not a pleasurable experience. You know what we're singing? Lord, lead me to the cross so that I can be crucified like Christ so that I no longer live, but he lives in me. That's the call, to, that's the call to, of Christ. That's the call of God. Come to me so that you can die so that then you can find life. Don't make sense, does it? It does not make sense that if I'll surrender my life to God, if I'll give up everything, because if we were really honest, giving up total surrender to God scares the mess out of us. And it does not make sense that if I will surrender everything to him, that I will find life like I've never had. I guarantee you this, the times that the the world is weighing your shoulders down the most, the times you feel the most beat down are the times when you're carrying things that you aren't supposed to carry. That's what kills us. That's what causes anxiety. That's what causes worry. That's what causes fear. That's what causes us to act out in ways that aren't godly. We're we're taking control in areas that, that we're not supposed to take control. The call is to come to the the cross and die so that God can begin to work on the inside to give us life. I know so many people have have gone through motions after motions and and we've done Sunday school and we've done small groups and we've even read the Bible and we said a prayer here and there. But maybe the call is not just to do religious behavior modification. Because Jesus didn't die for religious behavior modification. He died to change our heart. Maybe the place where he wants us is on our knees in surrender so that he can begin to do a work from the inside. 
Maybe the problem is we've never really let him in. Maybe the problem is we've let him in, but then sometimes we like to try to block him out. You know what's amazing to me is to think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross. Before he died on the cross, he, he goes and he's, he's praying and he says, God, if there's another way, take this cup from me. But I don't want my will to be done, God. I want your will to be done. And, and he was in such anxiety, such stress. He's just like, God, I, this is hard. And, and, and you know what? He began to sweat drops of blood. I mean, it was that, that stressful for it. But you know what I see in Christ right there? He laid his will down. He laid his will down. He laid it down. And he went to the cross. And God calls us to do the same exact thing. That we too would become crucified with Christ. That I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's what Jesus is calling us to. See, the real problem for us, it's not getting into the pool it's not need more religion. The real problem for us is oftentimes our, our preferences override God's purposes. Our preferences override God's purposes in our lives. It becomes about our will and not his. It becomes about what I want to do and not what he wants me to do. And see, listen, this has been like a heavy, I had no idea this message was coming out this heavy, like seriously. Because all y'all are like, oh, she just shut up. I didn't come to church. I don't say this to try to make you feel guilty and you're like, oh, no, good job there. You know? and I, I'm telling you this because there is a path to life. And it comes through Jesus. And there is a way for us to become clean on the inside, even if you've been dealing with it for 38 years. There is a way for us to become whole in God. But it doesn't come by cleaning up the outside. It comes when we allow the God of the universe to change us on the inside. Not about behavior modification. It is about knowing and loving and being absolutely consumed with the God of the universe. Who gave his son for you. Who took his wrath upon himself so that you would not have to. It's a pretty awesome God that will save us from himself, right? And he did. And that's what we have here today. That's the option that we have here today. So here's my question to you. Are you ready to be done with excuses? Listen, guys. Let's just drop all the, all the crap, right? Let's just drop all the mask. Let's drop all the facade. And let's just admit that there are things that aren't right. And it's hindering the life of God in me. Are we willing to finally lay those things down? To quit placing blame where blame doesn't exist? And own our part. The other night, um, we were over at my mom and dad's and, and Dake, uh, my eight-year-old, had thrown a ball behind the couch. And he went over and, and he moved the couch out and, and he got the ball out. And then he slid the, the couch back up against the wall. And we heard something go, <laughs> like break and fall on the floor. We we're like, Great. And so I walk over, I pull the couch out, and he had bumped it up so hard against the wall that it broke one of the, 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 the um, outlets on the wall. I was like, Dake. You know, it's kind of like that thing parents do. We're just like, Dake. And he's like, and, and then he looks at me, he's like, uh, uh, uh. And the first thing he says is, I didn't do it. <laughs> there were four of us in the room. I looked at him, I said, well, then who did? Because, I mean, I was like, there was a redheaded kid over here that looked just like you. And then he realized that didn't work, and so he said, I didn't mean to. So I'm like, which one was it, right? Either I didn't do it or I didn't mean to. And he hit me right there, right in the living room. I was like, that's us. I didn't do it. Okay, I did it, but I didn't mean to. We do the same thing, don't we? It's time for us to let that junk go. It's time for us to open our lives up to God, to truly say, God, you are Lord. Do what you will in my life. And to live that way every single day. 
that every day when your feet hit the floor, you say, God, you are Lord, and I'm here for you. And we open our lives to him. We begin to share it with him. We begin to share it in the body, the body of Christ, the church. Last thing we'll say, we'll get out of here. About two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, this is pretty gross, but I'm going to tell you anyway because I think it makes a point. Um, I went in, Jackson, my, my four-year-old, started crying. He starts crying, and it's about 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. How many of you had noticed, like, there's this little stomach bug going around? Anybody? Yeah, I mean, like, everybody's had it. It's like, it's horrible, right? I, about 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, he starts crying. So I go, and I get up, and I stumble into his room, and he's laying there in the bed, and I reach down to grab him. And when I do, my hand hits something really wet and really warm. I was like, oh, no. And so I spanked him, right? I didn't. I didn't do that. I didn't. (laughs) But I I turned on the lamp in his room. and, And when I looked over, he had not only puked in the bed, he had pooped in the bed. And it was all over him, it was all over the bed, and now it was all over me. It's the joy of having children. You know what I did? I cut the light off, I said, son, go back to sleep, and I turned around, and I went, and I got back in my bed, and I went to sleep. I didn't do that. Y'all, come on, guys. I didn't do it. How's, how, how messed up would that, would that have been? If I was just like, you know what? You made this mess. Clean it up yourself. I'm going to bed. I've got to get up early in the morning. That would have been jacked up, wouldn't it? That would have been, how crazy would that have been to look at my four-year-old and go, man, you messed this up. You're the one that's dirty. You pooped and you puked everywhere. Clean it up. I'm done. And then go back to my bed and go, Deal with it yourself. I'd be a pretty poor father, wouldn't I? Well, if I'm that way about my children, and I'm evil according to the word of God, what do you think God does for his children? What do you think God does for his children who are in a mess? What do you think God does for his children who are filthy on the inside? What do you think that that God does when when we make a mess and and we're there and it's our fault? Do you think he just gets like, he's like, well, you made it, just live in it. No, you know what he does? He sends his son to die on a cross so that we could be given righteous standing. And then he places his Holy Spirit on the inside of us so that we can stand righteously. He gives it to us free of charge. You know what? The outside's jacked up. I'm going to cover you with the righteousness of my son. But you know what else? I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to place a new heart inside of you. And from the inside out, I'm not just going to grant you a righteous standing, but I'm going to make you stand righteously. And I'm going to begin to change you. And your life's actions are going to begin to glorify me in this earth. And people are going to look at you and praise my name. That is what God desires. But the only way it happens is when we surrender to him. When we quit trying to mask the outside like we were trying to mask body odor with the odor. When we, we quit trying to mask the outside like we try to cover up a blemish on our face with makeup. When we finally come clean with God and we say, God, you know what? I'm just going to surrender my life to you. You can have the whole stinking thing. I'm not holding back from you anymore. You tell me to go and I go. Here I am, God. Do whatever it is in me and through me because before God does something great through you, he's going to do something great in you. And God wants to do something great in you today. That's God's heart. He sent his son to die on a cross for you and I. He wasn't just playing games. He was serious.
It was serious. You know, I have a God who literally, literally squashed the head of Satan. What Jesus did on the cross trumped what Satan did in the garden. And for those of us who are willing to believe it, who are willing to trust, place our faith in Him, we can have that life too. But that's our, 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 our decision. Maybe God's knocking on the door of your heart tonight, today, this morning. And you need to make that decision today. Because you know, I've never actually surrendered to God. I've surrendered to a religious system, but I've never surrendered to God. Or you know that you've been making excuses about something for a long time. And it's time now finally to lay down those excuses. And to begin a new life in Christ. See, that's the good news of Jesus, is that he comes to give us new life. New life. That we become a new creation. That he changes us from the inside to the outside. Let's pray.